Welcome to the Gospel to Gillette podcast. I'm your host, Nick White. On Wednesday, February 1st, Gospel to Gillette held a conference entitled, What is the Gospel? This is part one of our two-part podcast. In this episode, we cover different aspects of the Gospel and why it's important for Gillette. Audio is included from Pastor Toby Holt, Phil Jones, Ed Sisti, and Don White, in that order. Good evening. Well, ordinarily... At our home church, I have to do uh, the singing, and uh, you all have been saved from that this evening. <laughs> Thankful for Ed's, uh, Ed's gifts. My name is, excuse me, I'll try to get this working here. My name is Toby Holt. I am the pastor of Harvest Reformed Presbyterian Church here in Gillette. And over uh, roughly the next 10 minutes or so, this will be a little bit of a longer opening section, but over the next 10 minutes or so, I want to introduce gospel to Gillette to those here who may be unfamiliar with it, unfamiliar with what we're doing. And then we're going to have some additional pastors come forward and uh, share aspects of the gospel's relevance, importance, and application to our community. Now, if you look at your bulletins, you'll notice that the Reverend Tom Fry is listed in this evening's agenda. Uh, However, Reverend Fry had to travel for a funeral service this week, and so I'm going to try to incorporate some thoughts on the topic that he was going to speak about into this introductory uh, segment. All right, let's begin. I'd like to start with the obvious question of what is the gospel to Gillette, or what is gospel to Gillette? Well, gospel to Gillette, as you look around, you can see this is a shared effort among the body of believers here in our community to proclaim the good news of a crucified and a risen Christ. Now, one might ask, in fact, I've had uh, folks ask this, can't our individual churches proclaim this good news independently or in isolation from one another? Well, the answer to that is yes, you can. The individual churches certainly can do this. And by and large, in most communities, that's the way that, uh, that it's done. However, Scripture is clear when it tells us that we as believers are part of a single body. We are members of one body. We are members of one another. And God has created the church, the church with a capital C, the church universal. He's done so in such a way that each of its various members, each of its various congregations are called to augment, to augment one another's gifts and calling in pursuit of the same overall objectives. Uh, we may have Presbyterians, Baptists, uh, independent folks, any number of different folks in, in our midst today. But if I was to ask you to raise your hands and tell you, ask how many people believe Jesus, Jesus is Lord, I'm sure every hand would go up. So we are part of the same body. Now, with that sort of unity in mind, gospel to Gillette is simply a mechanism by which uh, we can express, have a shared expression of what we believe. Gospel of Gillette is a tool by which we can work together to fill the city with the good news, to fill the city uh, with the hope that is within us. And it's a means by which we can lock arms on something substantive, something tangible as we advance the kingdom of God. Now, with all that said, 
The main obstacle, I'm, I'm not used to having to stand behind a mic. I'm used to jumping around. The main, uh, the main obstacle that, uh, that we have in, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not uh, charismatic, uh, but I am excitable. I'm charismatic in that way. Now, <laughs> now with, all of, with all that said, with everything I've just said as kind, of kind of an intro, the main obstacle that we have in expressing the good news that we all hold dear is that this news is not seen as particularly good or particularly relevant to much of the people out there, to much of the people that we are called to minister to. See, the gospel, most gospel presentations begin. If you're going to share the gospel, most gospel presentations begin by telling people that they've got a problem, and this problem is called sin. However, sin is a problem that our culture doesn't see as being any real big deal. It's something uh, often to be laughed about, joked about. It's even a, a tool for, for marketing purposes. We live in a time, we live in a time and in a place where the idea of sinning has been stripped of its consequences. And because of this, the people out there, the people that we are trying to reach, don't necessarily see the same value that we do in a Savior. You're not going to value a Savior if you don't think you have anything that you need to be saved from. So in other words, if people don't care about sin or they don't think that sin's consequences pertain to them, then they're not going to see how amazing what God has done for them. They're not going to value the lamb who was slain. They're not going to see how great it is that God has reconciled sinful, rebellious, uh, fallen, lost people back to himself. Now with that in mind, the object of Gospel to Gillette is to educate our community. To educate our community on both the, the problem that we've got and, and by necessity how God has addressed this problem through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now, in the fifth chapter of Acts, I want to, everything that we do in ministry must be relatable to Scripture. In the fifth chapter of Acts, shortly after the resurrection of Christ, the Apostle Peter and the disciples, they were like us. They were concerned about how they were going to spread the good news in the place where God had placed them, in Jerusalem. Now, at that time, Jerusalem was a place that would have been far more resistant to the gospel than uh, Gillette is in the present. In fact, Peter and the disciples found this out the hard way in Acts chapter 5 as they were thrown in jail as the result of their evangelistic efforts. Now, I want to go ahead and read what happened next. In Acts chapter 5, verses 25 through 29, in order to demonstrate what sort of effect the gospel can have and should have in the communities that it has been given to. In Acts 5, we read this. So one came and told the council, saying, Look, the men who you put in prison, now this is referring to Peter and the disciples, are standing in the temple and teaching the people. So then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. You see, when the high priest 
confronts the apostles in this evening's text. Among the various things that he says is this this amazing accusation. And it's an accusation that I'm inclined to see as being among the, the greatest of compliments that we could receive. Specifically in verse 28, the high priest says this. He says, and look... You have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. Look around. You filled the city. Everyone's, it's on everyone's lips. It's reflected in everyone's faces. You have filled. You have leavened this city with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, when the priest begins his statement with the words, and look, I think this implies that the filling of Jerusalem was not theoretical. It didn't occur in the blogosphere of the times. It wasn't academic. It wasn't just intellectual. But rather, it was something that was visible. It was obvious. It was apparent to all. He says, and look. Look around. You have filled this city with the teaching of this risen Christ. So in other words, when the the gospel filled Jerusalem, and remember, we're looking at this as the model of what can and should happen here. When the gospel filled Jerusalem, it was manifesting itself in substantive ways substantive ways, ways that were evident to anyone who just took the time to look around. So the priest here, when he's talking to Peter and and the apostles, he prefaces his accusation by first appealing to its obviousness. Appealing to its obviousness. And then he goes on, and he says that the apostles have filled the city with their teaching. You know, in all my life, I've lived in towns, I've lived in, in cities that had all the hallmarks of Christianity. You know, in all my life, I can say I, I've lived in places that had a, a church you know, seemingly on, on, on every other block. And all my life, I've dwelt within um, easy driving distances uh, to brick buildings that had a, had a cross out front. But you know what? I have never, ever dwelt in a place that has truly been filled with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, why is that? I mean, that's, that's, that's the question. We know the power of what, of what we call to be true. We know the power of God and the Spirit. We sing it. We, we talk about it. It's, it's preached. You know, people dance and jump around like I'm trying to do here. People get excited about it. But do we see it? Do we see the city filled with the gospel? Well, here in Gillette, this may be a small town, but there's no absence of churches. There's no lack of Bibles. There's no lack of, of religious freedom by which we can pursue our Maker. And yet, this remains a spiritually hardened community. Now, how can we have so much going for us and have so little comparatively to show for it? How can we have this great God, a God whose arm has not grown short, the Alpha and the Omega, the, the Ancient of Days, the Beginning and the End, how can we have this God, this God with His Spirit in our chest, who has given us this Word, who has given us every tool to equip us for the purpose of advancing His Kingdom, how can we look around and, and not see the sort of substantive results that Scripture tells us we can see and should see. Well, uh, I'll offer a thought. I'll offer you my, my thought on why this may be. This might be the case because, by and large, uh, churches, not just here in Gillette, but churches across the country, have tended to rely on something other than the gospel. On something other than the gospel. You see, the, the power by which lives are changed, 
The power by which sanctification occurs, the power by which healing occurs, the power by which all these things uh, happen that we read of in Scripture, it doesn't come from man-made ideas. It doesn't come from man-made programs. It comes from the gospel. It comes from the gospel, which you know Romans 1 calls the gospel the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is the power of God. Yet we often neglect the power that we have in it. We neglect the power of the gospel, or we trust in any number of other things in its place. Well, if you look throughout the book of Acts, if you look throughout the New Testament, what you'll see is that the growth and the efficacy of the church was always directly related to the faithful and to the spirit-led presentation of the gospel. That is where growth occurs. That's where change occurs and healing occurs and all these things. In other words, the early church fathers, when you read you know, Paul's epistles, when you see what, what, what Peter and the apostles did, the early church fathers, they were not trying to do what sometimes we get caught up doing. They were not trying to market religion to a, a particular demographic. They weren't trying to hide the gospel inside some Trojan horse of man-made programs or ideas or window dressing. Rather, they were trying to seed They were trying to seed the kingdom using the only thing with true power at their disposal, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That should be our goal as well. From one church to the next church to the next church, one family to the next family to the next family, and so on. So how do we go about this? How do we go about this? Well, that question is what tonight is all about. That question is what we're trying to address through this thing that we call gospel to Gillette. This evening, our goal is to witness firsthand, as we can, just by looking around, the unity that we have as believers, the unity that's demonstrated to folks to our left and to our right. And this evening, our goal is to talk about how we can use this unity, how we're called to use this unity to fill our city with the gospel and to advance the kingdom of God. All right, what I'd like to do now is uh, to turn things over to Reverend uh, Phil Jones. He's going to come up and talk to us about the value and the application of the gospel itself. All right. So this is difficult tonight because... that's nah, okay. Because we're uh, stuck with a simple message, and I can't branch off and cover everyone else's. So I'm going to try and stay on task. I was threatened not to preach too long. Um, but you will need your Bible. That will be in front of you, in the, the seat in front of you, because I'm going to have you turn to a couple verses in Romans. What I'm talking about tonight is why we need the gospel in the first place. And while you who are listening and you who are here probably are the cheerleaders or, or the, uh, the choir Nevertheless, we have to cover the basics because this is the basics of who we are and why we're doing what we're doing. And you cannot talk about the gospel good news until you talk about why you need the good news. And Toby referred to that earlier. The fundamental issue is we have a problem. And you can't get into good news until you attack the fact that we have a problem. And the problem is sin. It's not a popular word anymore. It's not a popular message anymore. But nevertheless, our problem is is we're sinful. It started with Adam. 
and it traces down to us. It's a genetic thing, and none of us are exempt from it. Our problem, though, is, is that this very sin that makes us sinful also blinds our eyes to the fact that we're sinful, doesn't it? We're, we're blind to the fact that we're a sinful people. In fact, it's easy for me to look out at you and think I'm doing pretty good because you have to be more sinful than me. I'm wearing flip-flops. I must be more holy. I'm more like Jesus than you are. And so I can compare myself to you and feel good about myself. And you are probably doing the same thing. How dare that guy wear flip-flops? And he's a pastor. I must be better than him. And the very sin that's our problem blinds us to our problem. And as we bring the gospel message to the world, people are blind. And they don't realize they have a problem. In fact, when you go out and you share the good news of the gospel, they don't know why you're bothering. Because they're fine. They're happy. They're blissfully on their way to hell. And that's a problem. You need to turn to Romans chapter 3. Because this is where the basis of everything starts. Because I'm saying and you're saying, I'm okay without God. I'm a good person compared to everyone else. But when you get to Romans chapter 3 verse 10, it says, As it is written, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. And as if that's not bad enough, it keeps going. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And their paths are ruined in misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That is the condition of all humanity. Without exemption. There is no asterisk somewhere along the line that says, Oh, everyone's like this except you. Insert your name. There is no asterisk here. And that's the problem. We think that somehow we're good enough that we there's an asterisk. If I could just be better than you, God will look favorably upon me and the asterisk saves me. Because everyone's this way except me. But that's not true. You're all terrible. And so am I. If you flip forward to chapter 2 to Romans 1.18, it all comes into play. It comes into focus. Romans 1.18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. So, no one is escaping Romans 3. Therefore, under that cloud of, you're a sinner, the wrath of God is being revealed. You are under the wrath of God. Whether you like it or not, whether you think you're a good person or you think you're a rotten person, you are under the wrath of God. Because it's a genetic problem. And we all carry the genetic code of sin. No one is exempt. So we have a two-part problem. Part number one, we're sinners, and not one of us is righteous. Part two, God's wrath is coming against us. So what do we do? Well, we find solutions. 
We find things to worship. And human history is littered with the decay and the heartbreak of people worshiping that which they shouldn't. Whether it be stone, whether it be TVs, whether it be idols of various kinds, it doesn't matter what you choose. I'll fix myself through self-help. I'll fix myself through one thing or another. I'll fix it. I've got a problem. I realize I have a problem, but I'll fix it. Or you can just be in denial. I think I might have a problem, so I'll just deny there's even a God to worry about in the first place. That's just another idol. It's another solution that's not going to work. So we have a problem, and we don't have any solutions that will work. Because whether you think you found a solution or not, God judges it as worthless and dirty rags. It's worthless. And so none of your righteousness is going to help you. Your solution is trash. So what do we do? (laughs) We don't have a solution. And it's there in that place when God's solution actually makes sense. We realize we don't have a solution. Thankfully, God does. We don't have to manufacture or create something. We don't, have to, we don't have to desperately spend our lives pursuing righteousness that's fruitless and godless. Romans 5.8, last time I'll, I'll do a sword drill on you. Turn to Romans 5.8. <clears throat> Romans 5.8 and a couple other verses says, But God shows his love for us in, the, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You haven't fixed yourself. None of your solutions have worked. And yet, in that position, while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Amen? Oh, man. Verse 9. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. Now we are saved by the wrath of God. And so that Romans 1.18, the wrath of God has been fixed. We are sinners, and yet Christ died for us. Our problem is solved in Romans 5.8 and 9. Solved. What a beautiful thing that is to come before the Lord and know your problem is solved. That's what we're trying to bring to the community. This idea that why do we bother? We bother because there's a problem. And the problem is everyone's a sinner. We don't need to go out and judge them. They already know in their hearts that they are. We bring the gospel to them. And the gospel is good news. The Holy Spirit will work and He will convict hearts. And He will bring people to Himself. It's not our position to drag people, kicking and screaming. It is our position to bring the gospel, which is good news. The good news that we have a problem and God brought the answer. We didn't have to bring it. Our religion doesn't bring it. Our our message doesn't bring it. Our pop psychology doesn't bring it. One thing does, and it's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Why do we need the gospel? It's our only hope. Everyone is filling their lives with trash to medicate and self-medicate that pain that they know they have a problem. The divorce rate in Gillette proves we have a problem, doesn't it? It is a catastrophe. 
It is a catastrophically large amount of divorces. That's what I was looking for. It's huge. We are beyond the national norm. Why? Because we're sinners. And we desperately need the Lord. We're binding together as churches, as people, with a heart for, for people who are lost. That's what we need to do. Pastor Ed is going to come and talk about who's this message for. This concludes part one in our podcast. To continue listening, please download part two. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. For more information, go to gospeltogillette.org. That's gospeltogillette.org. Be listening for future podcasts. This podcast is a production of KLWD Radio.